This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong. It's safe to say that everyone is experiencing a level of heightened adversity at the moment. But what are our leaders, academic institutions, and policymakers doing to provide the current generation and incoming workforce with the right knowledge and skills? I have on the line Professor Mushtaq Al-Atabi, Provost and CEO of Karat Wat University in Malaysia, to discuss the power of positive education. Uh, thanks, Christine. Uh, my name is Mushtaq Al-Atabi, and I'm the Provost and Chief Executive of Karat Wat University, Malaysia. Uh, I'm an engineer. I'm also an academic, but at heart, I am a storyteller. And my purpose is to empower others to tell more empowering stories about themselves and about the world in which we live. Uh, Harriet Watt University is a globally connected university, uh, started 200 years ago in Edinburgh. So this is our 200th anniversary this year. And uh, we have ca- three campuses in the UK, a campus in Dubai, and also a campus in Malaysia. And we have uh, tens of thousands of students who are studying online and with approved learning partners. So we are a, a very unique uh, university that pioneered many things, uh, including being the first university in the UK to admit women before this was made a legal requirement. Fantastic. Right. Uh, so today we're talking about positive education, which is a topic that you've, you're very passionate about and you've actually written on um, quite a lot as well in your own time. But before we discuss what it's all about, we have to actually define what it is. So what exactly do you mean when you talk about positive education? Uh, you see, education often defined by academic excellence, by being the best academically in the area of the program that, uh, that's being uh, delivered. Positive education focuses besides uh, academic excellence on building character and building what we call soft skills and also focuses on well-being. Uh, on top of that, positive education focuses on the individual as an individual and it starts by cultivating uh, a sense of purpose and meaning. So that's in, in positive education, we don't ask people what program do you want to join, but we ask them what impact do you want to have on the world? What is your purpose and how do you want to mobilize that purpose into positive impact on, on the world? Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, what would you say about uh, Malaysia's current take towards education? Do you think that we're inching closer towards positive education? I think we are, not only in Malaysia, in the entire world, we are being pushed towards uh, approaching uh, this this, uh, kind of education. Uh, Let me tell you, if you speak now to any uh, employer and ask them what kind of graduates that, that you want, very few will tell you, I want people who are good in math and good in physics and good in accounting. Not because that's not important, but because we as uh, as a higher education system, we really did a very good job at educating our graduates when it comes to, you know, these uh, topical areas. Mm. So when you ask an employer, they will usually tell you you want uh, students who have uh, empathy, who are able to communicate well, 
work well with other people. We want them to think in an entrepreneurial manner. We would like them to be critical thinking, good communicators, and highly creative individuals. Mm -hmm. And I think regardless of the industry, people will say a, a similar version of what I have told you. So the challenge that we are facing as a sector, as an education sector actually globally, is these elements, entrepreneurialism, creativity, critical thinking, uh, communication, teamwork, these are very difficult to teach. Mm. They are very difficult to learn. And they are equally difficult to assess and measure. So the what is happening now is, especially after the pandemic, we are pushed to acknowledge that this these skills, we need to invest more in, into them and we need to develop them into our graduates. Now, these skills are very unique because they can be only developed at the individual level. They, are, they, are, they can be developed, different people would acquire them differently, at different pace, in a different way. So positive education acknowledges this, it embraces it, and uh, treats the, the learner as the individual that she or he uh, really is. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. It's this idea that companies nowadays are not just hiring grades, they're hiring people, right? Uh, you know, you are a lot more than what your resume or what your diploma says about you. And much like you said, a lot of these skills are not necessarily um, ingrained into our current education system in a way that, you know, really shapes and trains people uh, with these skills. So tell me a little bit about, you know, how we can maybe start to go about that. Uh, let's start from the individual level, because as you mentioned, you know, it starts with the person themselves. And first of all, what can one person do for themselves to kind of move towards positive education for themselves? So I think every one of us, when they wake up in the morning, they need to ask themselves, what is important to me? Mm. And practically, we do this at Harriet Watt University by asking ourselves and our students, what impact do we want to have on the world? So every one of our new students will spend the first four weeks of their semester, first semester with us, working under the guidance of an impact coach on this. And at the end of the four weeks, they will develop what we call an impact statement. And the impact statement is a statement that articulates how do they want to uh, make the world a better place using their own capabilities, their own magic, their own presence. Hmm. And I think every one of us should start thinking about writing an impact statement for themselves. How do they want to use their life and their presence and their capabilities to make the world beyond themselves better? Because this way they will remain motivated, particularly when things are, uh, are difficult. Mm -hmm. And so when, uh, when an individual is making this impact statement, to what extent can the scale of the impact statement be varied? You know, does it have to be some massive wanting to save the entire world sort of uh, objective? You know, what's the, yeah, what's the scale of the impact you can make on the world? So this, this is an excellent question because this is one of the key things that we address when we start talking to uh, particularly our, our young students. We just tell them any impact is good. Anything that is beyond 
yourself mm. is good. It could be as simple as doing something for your family or your smaller community and also maybe doing something for your country or the world. We also remind them that it is possible to work with other people on, 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 an, on an achieving an impact. You see, that sense of purpose is so important. And many of us have heard the story of uh, John F. Kennedy going to the, uh, you know, to the NASA building and visiting when they were about to, to their goal was to put a man on the moon and mm-hmm. bring him back alive. And he was asking this a janitor saying, you know, Mr. Janitor, what, where is your job? What do you do here? And this person looking at him in the eyes and say, Mr. President, I'm part of the team that's going to put a man on the moon and bringing him back alive. Can you imagine if the janitor is not thinking that I'm just cleaning the toilet, but I'm actually making the toilet the best possible environment so that the scientists and the engineers can do a better job. And I am also contributing to something that is bigger than uh, myself. So anything that's beyond yourself, anything that's not only for yourself is valid and is good and it's motivating, provided that it is really the, the, how you are going to use your, your talents and your skills and your magic to to achieve that impact. Right. You can't just say on paper that you're going to be dedicated to a certain cause. You actually have to put in the work as well, obviously. You are absolutely right. Actually, I, I could give you very quickly an example. Mm-hmm. Uh, our students uh, in January this year, uh, they were they went through the process and quite a number of them, interestingly, uh, were interested in, uh, in the environment and, uh, and, and so on. So a group of, of these students who were very passionate about life at sea eventually run a a community service project where they run a crowdfunding campaign and they raised a few thousand ringgits for the uh, turtle hatchery in Kwantan. So we actually tell them, look, even now you can start your impact. There are many people who, when when we start the process uh, with them, they would say something like, oh, when I graduate and when I become successful, when I have a little bit more time, a little bit more money, then I will be doing this and that. We actually enable, and that's the essence of positive education, we enable the individual now. You can start acting now. As a matter of fact, every one of our students, after completing their impact statement, they need to do a community service project that is in a group that is related to their to the impact that they wanted uh, to have uh, on the world. And many of them actually went on to do really great, uh, great things, including... Uh, uh, crowdfunding for uh, to buy tablets for university students who who were unable to afford that and um, and and helping different segments of uh, of our society. Hmm. And on the flip side as well, I know you mentioned that it's uh, very important to start this early, right, and to be able to uh, allow students to to grow and have that journey from as early as we can. But on the flip side of it, is it ever too late? I don't think it's ever too late. I think we, we, we really need to start whenever that comes to our awareness. And I think for, uh, for people who are, uh, you know, maybe they are a bit more advanced in, in their life, often the challenge is they think they know what their purpose is hmm. until you challenge them and say, can you write it down on a piece of paper? Then they realize, actually, maybe they haven't really thought about it in, in details. And, uh, and I think uh, uh, having a purpose, whether you are uh, 10 or 20 or 50 or 60, is extremely important. As a matter of fact, I could give you a very, very quick uh, example. Some research that was done on um, 
uh, people in, uh, in nursing homes, you know, people who are quite old. Mm -hmm. And uh, the research actually, the researchers that came and they gave these people simple responsibilities, you know, to, to care for a pet or even for a plant. And they noticed that the fact when these people have that sense of meaning in their life and sense of purpose, it improved their uh, discipline when taking their medicine and it improves their uh, vital signs. So I think, I think purpose is a human need. We need it. It's, it's almost like it's the power that keep life going. And I really believe in that. Fantastic. All right. Well, it's time to take a short break. But after that, I will continue speaking to Professor Mushtaq Al-Tabi, a provost and CEO of Harriet Watt University, Malaysia, all about positive education. You're listening to Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9. Because friends matter. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Listening to Raise Your Game, I'm Christine Wong, and on the line with me today is Professor Mushta Alatabi, Provost and CEO of Harriet Watts University, Malaysia. And today we're discussing the power of positive education. So before the break, we covered what is positive education and how it's important to start implementing that early. Now, uh, we talk a lot about the sort of individual impact and the individual approach to positive education, but for any sort of development, it's really important that the environment around you also supports that development. So how can workplaces start to implement uh, positive education in the way that they work? I think they can start by aligning the purpose of the business to the purpose of the people and accept that people will become more productive and they will engage better with the work if they believe that the purpose that the work is doing or the workplace is doing is meaningful and is aligned with their own uh, personal purpose and uh, personal uh, uh, values. I think this is, it sounds simple, but it's so important and also so difficult uh, to, to make. There are other things that people could do, but without we aligning uh, the business purpose to the individual purpose, I think it's it's very difficult to, uh, to keep things uh, positive and motivated for, for the long run. Right. And, uh, you know, I would assume that's also not just by saying that a company has a specific purpose and just expecting, you know, people to go along with that. It's also about practicing whatever that purpose is, right? So, for example, if you are a company that champions sustainability, that's trying to work it into your everyday, you know, making sure you have uh, a recycling uh, bin. Maybe you can even get your company to start looking into composting, uh, have your company in a green building, et cetera, et cetera, right? You're absolutely right. Actually, um, there is a, a, a book it's titled The Economics of Higher Purpose. And it, it makes a very interesting observation. Uh, it says it's not about you just putting on the wall that you are about, um, let's say, sustainability, but making sacrifices towards that. So that's, mm -hmm. that the that's the thing that people would recognize when you are sort of sacrificing profit. But this works in a very interesting way. When you start making sacrifices for your purpose, then the bottom line will start to respond. So the, the argument that they are making, which is, I think, counterintuitive at times, if you are following profit and using purpose to achieve profit, you usually people will see through this and they will see it as a gimmick. 
But if you really follow purpose, and it's a meaningful higher purpose, then the profit will follow. So in a sense, profit can't be the singular motivating factor. There's got to be something more meaningful there. I I honestly think that profit profit can't be the motivating factor, particularly for the younger workforce. Mm. I don't think there's anyone will be motivated by a company that's their, you know, the only reason for existence is to make money for the shareholders. I think it's, it's almost impossible. I would actually be inclined to agree with you. <laughs> so I think that's fascinating as well that the incoming generation seems to be a lot more aware of wanting to find meaningful work. I, I mean, that's my uh, perspective. But from what I've seen, there's a lot of chat about, you know, you want to join a company that has a great work culture that allows you to, um, you know, take on your own projects that allows you to uh, grow and develop as a person, not just as an employee. And you don't want to just do the blind rising through the ranks that's, you know, you to be practiced in a way uh, a lot of the time in, I guess, more traditional working styles. Um, so that's really interesting. Now, uh, I also want to talk a little bit about policymakers as well, um, because I think with uh, academia in general, it's relatively, uh, not to say straightforward, but you kind of covered that a little bit before the break. But what about policymakers in terms of you know the government as well? What can they do to help promote uh, positive education because one of the things that I think is interesting is that when people don't feel motivated, especially by the state of their country or the state of their government, they will often leave. And that is a massive problem, especially here in Malaysia, is this issue of brain drain, right? A lot of uh, Malaysians who are trying to find that sort of motivation or trying to find somewhere where they can develop in that way often leave. And that's a massive problem. So what can the government do to address all of these issues? I think when it comes to uh, the education sector, I think the more freedom that is given to uh, institutions to experiment, the better. Because I understand the policymaker wants to make sure that the quality is, uh, you know, uphold and, and so on. But some of these things are really new concepts and potentially Malaysia could be world leading in that in that space because mm-hmm. while you talk about maybe the areas of challenges, I think Malaysia has a lot going for it. You know, we ha- you have very nice people, peace loving, uh, multicultural. Uh, uh, really, I, I love the youth of Malaysia. They are among the most amazing in in, in the world. So when we enable uh, institutions to to innovate and to deal flexibly with them, I think that will be a very empowering thing, which will be uh, great for building our uh, education system and attracting uh, people from even outside Malaysia to study here. And that will be a source of diversity and a source of uh, generating income uh, Mm -hmm. as well. I mean, that goes back to your point before the break about how positive education at its heart is an individual process. You can't have the same journey as another person. And so in line with that, you know, any sort of structure that is around you has to be for you. It can't be a one-size-fits-all, you know, uh, school of thought or a a singular uh, positive education 101. You can't do that, right? You are absolutely right. I think personalizing education is a global challenge because we need to face it. There is a huge number of, of people that we we need to, you know, educate. But at least to um, 
encourage, not even give the space, but encourage institutions to personalize, I think that would be extremely important. You know, for example, the the impact statement uh, process that I talked to you about, this mm -hmm. happened in groups of 10 students coached by an impact coach. So you can you can imagine, we, we actually went to beyond our academic staff, we even engage our professional services staff to be impact coaches because otherwise it's impossible to have that ratio of 10, 10, 10 to one. Hmm. So, but through that, we, we made everybody a partner in this, uh, in this developmental uh, process and the students were able to, you know, reflect on their own experiences and, and, and so on. So imagine that we can do more of this. Imagine if we can do this in the chemistry class and the physics class and, and the uh, accounting class. I think that world would be really a, a nice place to be. Mm. And also, I think there's a sort of um, there's sort of rolling effect, right? The more people who are uh, exposed to positive education and are able to implement that in their own lives, hopefully can pass that on to the next generation and so on and so forth. Because I think that ratio that you mentioned is so important. You can only really personalize education for students when you have the resources available to do so, right? Um, I mean, there's a massive issue as well with uh, uh, academic institutions. Some of them who are really understaffed or their staff are really overworked. And in that sense, you don't have the space or the environment to put this into place, you, you are absolutely right. I think the 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 to enable positive education to flourish, mm. we need to acknowledge the role that everyone can play, including the students themselves. Mm. So the students themselves could be people who will support other students and at times even support their teachers. You see, it's a community. It's a mm. learning community. It's not only I am the teacher. And you are you are the students, and hence I'm the source of knowledge. This is this is not positive education. And one of the uh, uh, examples that we we do, we actually teach our students to show gratitude in a in a meaningful and impactful way. And we get them to either write uh, thank you notes or 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 go and uh, make phone calls to the people that they want to thank. And the process has four parts to it. So first of all, you need to uh, be very specific. You are thanking the person for what? I, please avoid saying thank you for everything. That means almost nothing. Mm -hmm. So thank you specifically for what? The second part is acknowledge how this thing that was done to you made you succeed. Number three, recognize the sacrifice that the other person had to do in order for them to give you what you are thanking them for. And finally, uh, recognize the character strength. I think if you write, if we all decide today, the people who are listening to us, to actually choose one person and thank them in, in that way that I've, I've said, be very specific, uh, how that helped you, acknowledge the sacrifice and the, uh, the character strength, we all will raise the level of positivity among at least the community that's listening to BFM a, a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I think with that formula for gratitude as well, I would like to posit that it's also important to do that to yourself once in a while, you know, to acknowledge the, your own sacrifices and your own strength of character and to be thankful for the effort that you are putting in into being essentially a better person. I totally agree with you. And actually... 
uh, one of the things that we do when we do the impact statement with our students, so the impact statement has three parts to it. The first part is what we call the I am statement. And the second part is the purpose statement. And the third part is the impact. And the I am statement is a, something that people reach at it after a deep introspective process. And they describe themselves with one or two words. And this is, to us, is about self-awareness. Hmm. And, and being aware of who you are is such an important thing. Again, we go through life without really recognizing and, and deeply thinking about who we truly are and how are we different from other people and how we bring that diversity and increase that level of diversity of life. Because every one of us is different and that is to be recognized and celebrated. So you are absolutely right. I think we need to recognize who we are, what are our strengths and how is that very important for life to be more meaningful. All right, amazing. Well, thank you so much. Unfortunately, we've run out of time, but I really appreciate uh, you discussing with me uh, and having this very positive conversation about positive education. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, you've been listening to Raise Your Game. I'm Christine Wong, and I've been speaking to Professor Mushta Al-Tabi, Provost and CEO of Harriet Watt University, Malaysia, about the power of positive education. If you've missed any of today's chats, you can go ahead and download our app that's available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. And you can also listen back to the podcast on our website, bfm.my. This is BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.